Tech Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Hi there and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast, bringing you the latest news and tech from around Ireland and across the world every Friday evening on RT Radio. Or of course, you can get it first anytime you like with your favourite podcasting app from Apple or Spotify, Google or whomever. Today on the show, we are talking about, of course, the the latest on the HSE and the uh, encryption scandal. Uh, Crypto is being blamed for a shortage in hard drives uh, around the world. Instagram has made some changes and uh, it turns out that we here in Ireland, as a result of um, COVID, are getting a little bit fed up with our tech. And I've got details on that to come. My name is Dusty Rhodes. This is episode 870. And to talk about it all, joining us as ever is our editor-in-chief, Niall Kitson. Niall, I suppose uh, (laughs) we're getting caught with this HSE story because last week, as soon as we finished uh, recording, uh, the story broke. And then... um, Say that was the week before. Then last week, then there were more developments, and there's been more developments during the week. Come on, tell me what's more the developments again. Uh, when we left things last week, the systems were locked out. There was a threat of releasing 700 gigs worth of HSE data uh, online on on the dark web, uh, commoditizing, if you will. Um, and that's kind of where it was left. It was you know we got a Monday deadline. Uh, as soon as we we went online with our show, our modest little tech show. Uh, There was a further development in that the uh, hackers, uh, known as Wizard Spider, released a decryption tool to the HSE as some sort of, I don't know, example of goodwill. Would you use a decryption team from this group of people? Um, Saying, look, okay, here's a decryption key. And, uh, you know, you still got till Monday to pay us our, you know, alleged, what was it? 19... 20 million or something. 20 like. million, 19,999 million dollars in Bitcoin. Uh, otherwise, we're going to dump your data. Uh, Monday came and went. No word of a data dump initially. Uh, no sign of, of said data on the dark web. Uh, and this is checking mm-hmm. sort of international sources, so not just HSE. Uh, so the story seems to have gone a bit quiet, uh, which I don't know, Dusty, you're you're the conspiracy theorist amongst us. What what would you reckon happened? <laughs> well, I hope that the HSE said uh, loud and clearly, no, we are not paying a ransom. Uh, don't care what you do. Dump it all on the Internet. Uh, we are not giving you a single cent. And I am hoping that the uh, guys just went off. Oh, what the heck? And off and off they went with their tail between their legs. However, it would still be in their advantage to dump the actual data because the next time they do it to somebody, they go, well, we did it in Ireland mm. and we put X hundred thousand patient, confidential patient records on the, on the internet, da, 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 and so on and so forth. Look, who knows? You know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if there was stuff going on there in the background that uh, most people would not agree with in order to just come up with a solution for this problem. I don't know what it is. I'm not alluding to anything. I'm just saying there's probably an awful lot there that we don't know. And that we probably won't know for a good while yet. I mean, we won't know if uh, the data set has been... Well, we won't know if the data set has been bought and sold until people start getting nuisance calls en masse. Saying, you know, we have your PPS number. We saw that you were a patient between X and X. We we see that you're entitled to a refund on your treatment. Just give us your bank account and sort code. 
What would you do if you got one of those? Oh, I'd hang up straight away. Yeah, all right. Do you think the majority of people would do that? I would hope so. But there, oh. see, these scams don't need a lot of people to fall for them for them to be profitable. No, that's true. That's yeah. that's the problem. That, that's that's why people still get calls from Windows saying, mm. you know, there's a problem with your computer. Can you let us log into your computer? And oh my goodness, there's malware on it, and you need to pay us X amount, and then we'll fix your computer. Yeah, all you need is one in a thousand or or whatever happens. That's to be. it. Anyway. We shall wait and see what happens with uh, HSE. It's a live story, so it could all have changed by the time uh, this goes out on uh, the interweb. And of course, uh, Apple are slowing things down when it comes to podcasts. This is annoying me with this new new OS system and Apple have made a complete hames of changing the whole podcasting ecosystem so that they're able to do subscriptions where you're able to pay for extra content with podcasts and stuff like that. So uh, essentially kind of what happens is, is that if people wanted to listen to you and I, now talking for longer, mm-hmm. we could charge them for it. Right. You know, and all we need is one in a thousand people. <laughs> Mm, yeah, worth our <laughs> for it to cover itself. <laughs> That's a definitely never going to happen. Thing. Anyway, <laughs> but added it's, value, uh, Dusty. Slow down, yeah, yeah. You, it used to be a case where uh, your um, Apple podcasting software would check in directly with the podcast you're subscribed to to find out when there's a new episode. Now they've centralised everything. Which, mm. which, of course, slows everything down because it's an extra step. However, but I don't mm. even know why I got into that. Uh, what else is in the news today? Uh, crypto. Now, here's an interesting story for you. Yeah. Could, uh, crypto- do, you, do you want some general trivia about cryptocurrency? Go on. Uh, 1% of all the power generated on planet Earth goes to cryptocurrency mining. Wow. 1%, a whole percent. An awful lot, 75% of crypto mining is done in China, uh, mm-hmm. in particular fairly remote parts of like Inner Mongolia and this sort of thing, uh, places that are physically quite difficult to get through, get to and hence have, you know, regulators uh, visit, but also places where there where there's plenty of fossil fuel and it's very cheap. So you have these huge data mines or, um, that are being run on fossil fuels uh, coal sourced locally and this sort of thing. So they're tremendously bad for the environment as well as being energy inefficient. So, uh, yeah, there's, there, there's another reason to dislike bitcurrency, Bitcoin or cryptocurrency in general. It's, it's just super bad for the environment. That could all change because there's a new cryptocurrency out at the moment. I think it's called Chaya, uh, mm-hmm. and I presume it's China-related. Uh, anyway, it's called Chaya. And what that does is it's taking all the process away from the electricity, and whatever way it does its version of cryptocurrency is that it's all to do now with hard drives. So instead of needing a lot of power, what you need is you need a lot of hard drive. Okay, can, can I poke uh, a hole in that? Go on. We are in the middle of a supply chain problem for obvious yep. reasons, thanks to COVID. We are uh-huh. in the middle of a chip shortage again, uh-huh. thanks to COVID. So there is a premium going to appear on basic components for computers. So I'm going to hazard a guess that we're on the verge of a hard disk shortage, uh, which is going to put an awful lot of pressure on the market. Yes and no, uh, okay. because a lot of people are, I mean, there's no problem with hard drives, uh, good old fashioned hard drives, spinning disks. Mm-hmm. Of course, everybody now is onto the SSD, all right? Sure. Uh, and that's kind of okay. But where the shortage seems to be coming is uh, with NVMe drives, 
all right, which is a non-volatile memory express, I think. Uh, yes, it is. Um, and essentially what that is, is like it's a really, really high-speed uh, drive, okay? Mm -hmm. I think they have something like that in the new Mac Mini. So whereas before with a, uh, an SSD, you are probably getting transfer rates of, say, 300 or maybe 400 mega, uh, megabytes per second or whatever it is, uh, with these new uh, FNS. VME drives, uh, you're getting 2,000 and more. Right. So that's okay. a five-time increase in improvement. But then again, you are also going to pay a lot more. So for an SSD, you might pay, I don't know, 100 quid for, for a terabyte or something like that. Um, for the equivalent with um, these new drives, you're going to pay double. Right. Okay. You know, gotcha. and I think... Uh, that the shortage is certainly in with the NVMe drives uh, because they are bigger and they're faster and they're able to just store a huge amount of numbers, which cryptocurrency needs, and it's able to access those numbers super mm. duper fast. Right. OK. So, so are we on the verge then of our little of a new crypto gold rush then? Because Bitcoin is kind of done. If you're an average person, you can't you can't mine Bitcoin. It's you know it's often the the realm of large server farms now. So the only yeah. way you can get your hands on Bitcoin is if you're on an exchange and paying thirty thousand dollars per Bitcoin at the moment is the going rate. Uh, two weeks ago it was like sixty four thousand. Then Elon exactly. Musk came out and said, uh, "Nope, no more Bitcoin for Tesla because it's uh, it's it's not environmentally sound." So the vo the uh, value of it halved. Uh, and this is sort of nonsense that you that you've got to put up with if you're investing in crypto. That you know the not not just that the market is you know, that it's a speculative currency. It's that it's values chasing values on things that aren't actually being traded. It's like you, how many things can you go out today and buy with cryptocurrency? Uh, none, but uh, Bitcoin they say is a store of value. It's like buying mm. gold. You, you just buy it and you sit on it. That seems you know, to be and, it, yeah. And you'll cash it in in five years or 10 years or whatever it happens to be. Um, but there's a lot of people who are day trading and particularly younger people. Mm. Um, and GameStop, don't forget, is still on the go as well. And they're mm. all into this like kind of quick book kind of a thing. Any yeah. investment that you're putting money into, goodness only knows. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, I, uh, I don't know. Bitcoin uh, for me is uh, it's very much a long term kind of a thing. So I think anybody who's buying into it is looking at buying into it for, for a number of years. Yeah, well, I would hope yeah. so. Uh, although a couple yeah. of years ago when Bitcoin exploded, we do we did have the phenomenon of the person who got in, you know, on the ground, ground floor, tried it for a laugh and got a couple I, of Bitcoin. I, and I fully believe that people will be going around in five years time and they'll be looking at people from, from this period of, of, of history and they'll be saying to them, man, he got in at 50 grand. He was so lucky. <laughs> Yeah. I fully believe they will because yeah. it could be worth 100, 150, 200, whatever. It doesn't yeah. matter. You there, there are forecasts few, there in place. All right. Yeah. That's what they're saying. I, I think it's interesting. I don't know what way it's going to play out, but I think the world is definitely going some kind of a crypto or a digital currency kind of a way. Mm. And you just have to look. I mean, uh, what COVID has done for us. There's so many more people now that are using Revolut. Mm. And they're just swapping money on using their mobile phones. You've got Google Pay and Apple Pay. You can do all that. And people just aren't carrying cash anymore. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, and when you bring in the cryptocurrency side of things, I think that will just yeah, make that's, that entire that's marketplace more useful. So. Very interesting point. I mean, the, the, lesson of the lesson of the last year is just how everything 
how the degree to which everything is interconnected yeah. Uh, yeah. across international lines. Exactly. Well, let's talk about that, actually, because mm. that's also been making the news this week. Uh, I think it's interesting that a new survey said that here in Ireland, we've completely changed over the last year with some using so much more tech. All right. Mm. Um, so, for example, video calls, video calls, according to the survey, are up 25 percent. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of thinking, surely it's not that low. I would have thought it'd be <laughs> way I more I would have said that, it's a lot more than that, but I anyway. I would have said a lot more than that. Anyway, so video calls are massively up. Uh, online health is massively up. That I totally get. Uh, education, of course, is massively up as well, mm-hmm. all right? Yeah. And with all of this extra usage and spending more and more time on our laptops and on our computers and our screens and stuff like that, uh, this survey is saying that over half of Irish people are now starting to struggle with digital fatigue. Yeah. It's too much. Too much. This is the, the EY survey that was released earlier uh, earlier this week. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if you look at the problems that are that have been thrust into the mainstream in the last uh, the last year or so, uh, we've had problems with education, with getting kids into class and making sure that they're uh, engaging and retaining as much information as they would in person. Uh, you've got of course, people spending an awful lot more time on services like Zoom. Zoom becoming a, a household name over the last uh, over the last year. Uh, you've got people treating digital as their their only line to the outside world in in some cases. Um, so to say that we're getting at the point where tech has almost stopped becoming a facilitator and is now uh, becoming a stressor in and of itself. Uh, you know, this this constant need to feel connected um, mm. that you might, you know, be be missing out on something if you put your phone down for a few minutes. Things that, you know, that, that element of FOMO that certainly we had before the pandemic, but there are always things to sort of distract us or get us away from that. You know, the, the ability to just get out and take a walk or there's somebody in the mm. office beside you distract you for a few minutes or, or something stupid like that, you know? But yeah. now when you have those options removed um, and you do have this um, this drift towards technology being what you do, and that's kind of it, whether you're being productive or gaming or whatever, uh, it can get old and you're kind of at the mercy of your, uh, of your connectivity. I really miss the commute. Do you? Now, I, oh, now there's no way that I miss buses or trains or sitting in the car and traffic and trying to get from A. There's no way I miss that, right? Mm-hmm. But what I really miss is the fact that I would be sitting somewhere for 30 or 40 minutes, mm. not working, looking at a window, going, Christ, look at that weather. I wish <laughs> I wasn't in this country. <laughs> I, actually, I actually miss that. Do you know what I mean? Because you get the break, whereas kind of now what's, what's happening is and, and I get the digital fatigue, okay? I get up in the morning, I make coffee and I'm on the computer and, I'm, and I, then you just get sucked into it, all right? Mm. Then you're working all day, all right? And then at the end of it, I'll just take a rest and I'll just check my phone to see what's happening. Another screen, all right? Mm. Then the telly goes on uh, for the evening. 
like it's from the moment I wake up to the evening. It's like looking at a bloody screen. Yeah, but and and the nature of the way we're looking at at screens because you turn on the telly and what are your choices? You know, YouTube, Netflix, Amazon Prime. You know, but broadcast TV has really taken a hammering. Uh, mm. And then there's oh, I can only watch this on this service, and that's quite annoying. Or if I want to watch a Marvel movie, guess what? I've got to do Disney Plus, and that's another X mm. amount per month. Uh, you know that as we've said so many times before on this show um streaming services are the new tv channels and you've you've got to pay for them individually um mm. and that's 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 a problem um you know you you have to go different places for different content but the whole point well, I, of signing up mm. to these things is that they're centralized now what you say actually is quite timely because a lot of people and i'm talking 45 percent plus in this particular survey think that our uh, technology is too expensive. What mm. they're paying for various services and what they're paying for broadband in itself is very expensive because broadband, as you know, it's all tied in with telly. Mm. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a rare thing where you can just buy the broadband on its own. Like it's, oh no, you buy the thing and you get it. And like, I imagine that, you know, I mean, if you're paying say 80 quid a month and you want a broadband on its own, it's going to cost you 50 quid for the broadband. Mm. And then the TV and the telephony services will be the other 30 quid. Mm. So if you were to take away the TV and the telephony services and you were to just buy your Netflix subscription, mm. Apple TV, uh, mm. Amazon and whatever else, it was, you'd still be paying 80 quid a month. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, I've, I'm one of the few that have managed, like I'm just on a, a broadband deal. But the way people have grown up, you know, it's like, OK, you have your telly, you have your landline. And, and now you have is. this thing called Internet, yeah. whereas I came to it from from the complete opposite way around, because where I am now, I, I outfit it from 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 scratch, you know, so yeah. I didn't inherit any services or, or anything like that. It was very much just sort of, OK, what what do I need? And let's not get anything else. I mean, I don't even use um, Serview anymore, to be honest. Wow. Because <laughs> all the all the channels that I watch um, have uh, live services on them. So what are you doing for news? Uh, Do you sit down and watch the, watch the news at six o'clock or nine o'clock? No, I don't. No, I just read it. Yeah. Just read it online. I don't. I don't no. watch news bulletins. No. Yeah, so there's something that made me. Maybe I'm just old fashioned. I kind of like that little nine o'clock news to see what's happening. Actually, in the world. which 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 is funny because I already know. <laughs> <laughs> you know by then I've what's not, happened. I've been, no, I've been on the phone all day with the news app. I'm kind of a bit of a news yeah. junkie, so like I'm following everything. And then when it gets to the nine o'clock news, it's like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will say on the radio, I'm yeah, absolutely down for that. First thing in the morning, what's on the radio? Get me get me set up for the day. Uh, And then anything that you read online is sort of an adjunct to it. But uh, yeah, when it comes to sort of six o'clock, nine o'clock, no, no, no interest. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm chilling out by then. I'm trying to detox from the from the day. Speaking of uh, television and online services and stuff, I'll tell you a story about Apple in a second. But Amazon are making the news this week. Mm hmm. Okay. Yeah, they they had a big purchase. They've bought um they bought MGM for what eight point nine five billion, something like that. Now, That's a if, lot you, of money. if you think about it, though, uh, how much is I won't even say Amazon. How much is Netflix worth in compared to in comparison to oh, MGM? Oh, how oh, much? Oh, in comparison to MGM? Yeah, yeah. Oh, now I don't know, but. Uh, the last the last number I associate with Netflix is Netflix were spending eight billion mm. a year 
on making content. Yeah, like I was surprised. I mean, you, I would regard MGM as a legacy business because they've been around for so long. But and we're so used to hearing about valuations on tech companies mm. where you you hit this these you know you get these unicorns that seem to appear fairly quickly uh, mm. and and they're worth the billion plus mark. Uh, when you think about you know actual manufacturers from back in the day, companies that actually make things, they've they've been around a long time before they hit that mark. Um, so you know when you when you take away that sort of tech hype train. Uh, companies take a long, long, long time to to get that unicorn status. So, uh, yeah, I was surprised and not surprised. Um, you know, for a company that's been around for so long, you'd be like, oh, jeepers. You know, I thought they would have been worth a, an awful lot more than that. But then you think about it and you're like, do, do you know what? It's a different day. This is a, this is a company that actually makes something. Mm. Whereas uh, all these tech companies, they... Um, uh, maybe it's maybe I'm being slightly unfair, but you know they build platforms. They don't have factories to worry about. You know they they don't have to make things in the same way MGM does. Um, so yeah, I thought it was uh, very it, interesting. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, um, four thousand movies in the catalog, and wow. I actually that that's the bit that surprised me. In that yeah. I was I thought it would have been a lot more because we've been looking at the MGM logo I, like all my life. All our yeah. lives we've been looking at MGM logo. I mean, they've yeah. done all the James Bond movies. And, and before yeah. that, it goes back to Gone with the Wind. Wow. And, and goodness knows what before that, like, you know. Mm. So uh, I only 4,000 movies. Now, there's a whole load of TV series in there and stuff like that. But I suppose, actually, it does kind of make sense for Amazon in that if Netflix are spending $8 billion a year making original content and they can spend $8 million on just buying... 4,000 movies and a whole yeah. lot of TV shows that they can use for now until the end of time. That are well uh, regarded and, and, are, yeah, and yeah. are proven. Why not? Why not? Uh, mm. On the opposite side of things, somebody who doesn't have 4,000 movies and a whole mm. lot of TV content is uh, is Apple TV. <laughs> yeah. <you've, laughs> I'll tell you why. I, I got an email out of the blue. Right. Saying, well done. Uh, you've got a year's worth of free Apple TV. I went, scam. Uh, what what did you do? Of, well, immediately, I'm just kind of looking at it going, uh, who's this from? And it seemed to be like a legitimate address. Mm -hmm. So then I kind of went, uh, all right. And then I looked into the head of the email and that looked uh, legitimate as well. Mm -hmm. So then I kind of, I hover my mouse over the link and that seems to be pointing actually to Apple. Mm -hmm. So then I just went to Apple manually. I didn't click on the link, mm -hmm. all right? Uh, blah, 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 and uh, whatever. And it turns out, yes, uh, I have a, a year's worth of, uh, of thing. I'll add, add my email address. It just put it in and it said, yes, there you go. And it asked me for your logging in from a new browser or something like that and I had to reaffirm my code the way I normally do with Apple so it was all kind of legit and then at the end and then Apple sent me an invoice and it says 000 for Apple TV for the year and I went wow what happened there and then about an hour later I remembered I bought a new bloody Mac Mini and I've forgotten already <laughs> <laughs> it, wasn't that, it wasn't that I've forgotten that I bought the darn computer but you remember it was like six months ago whenever Apple went and anybody who buys Apple gear will get a mm. year's worth of Apple TV for free yeah I'd completely forgotten that <laughs> <laughs> that's funny anyway that's funny anyway so, uh, so I logged in I went ah, this, this is handy because we'd only be talking about it the other day mm. uh, we like to morning uh, the morning news uh, morning morning show was that it morning show that's what mm. it is yeah we really enjoyed the first series and that was much better than we expected uh, and we heard that there's a second series on the way and I said well whenever it arrives we'll subscribe to Apple TV for the mm. month and watch it 
So then, and then this thing arrived, like, you know, so I logged into Apple TV and I had a look at what they have. Hardly anything. (laughs) (laughs) We can watch like Amazing Stories. Isn't that up there? (laughs) They've got, look, they've got stuff up there and it's all very good quality. And there's one or two series that I would probably watch, Mm. you know, For All Mankind, maybe. Uh, I can't, th- I don't think there's any other series I was interested in. There's one or two movies, but these are things that Apple made themselves, like yeah, Netflix yeah. would, all right? So that's why there's so little of it there, like, you mm-hmm. know. But uh, anyway, so uh, ro- roll around with um, Morning, whatever it is. I've forgotten the name of the bloody show. Morning show, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else is going on in the news? Uh, one last thing, Instagram. Making yeah. any change. Now, here's something interesting. Uh, Instagram is trialing something where you'll, you'll be able to hide the amount of likes your post gets. Because, you know, one of the ways social media really tries to hook you in is to give you that little hit of dopamine whenever somebody gives mm. you a, a like or retweets you or whatever. Just, just a, that little sort of validation. Um, it just sort of, that you know, somebody has actually... There. Somebody's out there, somebody likes you. And the more of that, the better. And if enough people aren't liking you, well, that's going to make you feel pretty rotten. There was an episode <laughs> of Black Mirror uh, devoted to this. And um, it was a woman who was Bryce Dallas Howard, played uh, a woman. And everything you did was uh, appraised. Absolutely everything. So, you know, you went and you bought coffee. Oh, you know, one like, one, two, three. And then somebody might say gosh, only three likes on that now. That's that's not great. Well, and you, and you'd feel that. miserable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, Instagram trialing uh, a way where you can just hide that. So if you're not getting as many likes uh, as you would prefer, uh, you're not going to get that, that sort of horrid feeling. Um, so it would strip it back to, do you actually like our service and do you get value from it? Mm, on the commercial side of things and then for people to, yeah because I see people that go oh I put up pictures of such and such and then like literally for six hours afterwards such and such liked it yeah you know that's it. whatever other friends saw it and then, and then and then if somebody didn't look at it or, or like it then oh, there's all kinds of ructions uh, there and Anyways. you know what being liked it's it's something we all like it's a perfectly human response they've just found a way to monetize it so absolutely if you uh, are not popular and you want to hide your likes just get into your settings on Instagram that's a horrible thing to say isn't it <laughs> or if you're too popular and you don't want to show off get into your settings on Instagram and you can and you can hide your likes there we go listen that's it for the news for this week thank you Niall remember we do keep you up to date daily on all things tech with hourly updates and daily newsletters which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie this is Tech Central your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's TechCentral.ie. Thanks to the vaccination effort, some companies are setting dates for getting back to the office or at least making decisions as to whether offices are needed at all. But if you can't share the same space in an office, what does that mean for team building? Jeremy McMahon is Vice President of Architecture with Fidelity Investments, and it's his job to make sure that teams, new and existing, work. Niall Kitson spoke to him about the challenges of maintaining a team culture across country and even international lines. So, Jared, tell us a little bit about your career today, because I tend to find people in technology have very interesting, slightly circuitous uh, careers in tech. Yeah, thanks, Niall. Um, yeah, so I went to college in Limerick, as in what's now called Limerick Institute of Technology. And when I graduated, 
I actually left Ireland and went to the UK, into London, and kind of worked across a couple of different jobs while I was over there over a number of years. And, you know, I worked in a traditional bank when I was over there. You know, um, I worked in a small organization doing a lot of consulting and technology for bespoke type um, industries. And actually working in London was ver- was very fascinating because it's a very fast city. And, and, you know, as a young person, it kind of gives you a great introduction into the workplace. And, you know, when you think back in it, it actually, you know, you can see a lot of similarities about culture, about agile um, from over there, even though they weren't called those names then. And following that, then I went to the United States where I worked actually at in IBM for a consultancy company at IBM working on the AS400, doing a lot of customer engagement support. And that was actually a fascinating time and really helped build, you know, what I fall back on now is customer obsession, um, you know, focusing on the customer experience and, and really the couple of years I spent there, you know, when I when you look back, it's really kind of helped be where I am now and, you know, making sure I've always got that lens. So that experience has really, you know, stood to me over time. From there, then I actually worked on the East Coast and down in Massachusetts. And I worked for a small startup company where we were building a product on one side and on the second side, doing consulting on kind of the retail, sporting retail area you know, working with a, and kind of an, an off-the-shelf application customization and installing it and w- working with organizations who used it. So that kind of helped fund the startup side of the business. So that was a fascinating time because, you, you know, working in a startup, um, it's, you know, it's really fast. You know, the development moves really, really quickly. Um, even though back then, Agile probably wasn't a thing. Um, in a startup, when you're building something from scratch, you, you're really working really, really fast. and production deployments are kind of daily at that time, but without a customer base or a small customer base, it, it, that's the way you have to operate. And then I ended up um, moving back to Ireland. Um, I met a friend when I was home for Christmas and I ended up moving back to Ireland and um, I joined a company here in Galway in the telecom space. And I spent 10 years there um, working through engineering, working up into architect, technical architecture and then into solutions architecture. And really over those 10 years, I got to see everything from building applications, selling applications to customers, the pre-sales side, you know, installing on the installation, the infrastructure side, the support side, the business requirements, um, on-site working with them um, as part of requirements gathering or kind of in a production support role or customer engagement role. So that, that was a great time. Um, got to travel a, a huge amount around between you know North America and all around EMEA. So I got to see fascinating different cultures, meet a lot of different companies. And you know it was a really great time. And then 10 years ago, I joined Fidelity. And fortunately with Fidelity, it's kind of, I've been able to move within Fidelity a a number of times. So mobility is very, very important. But I think um, I'm in my current role, I'm in my current part of Fidelity. It's kind of our cloud computing group about, you know, coming on four years now. And even in those four years, I've held four different roles. And prior to that, um, joining the cloud computing group, I held about five different roles between engineering um, engineering leadership and also within the architecture um, space as well. So it's, you know, I've, you know, and, and that's the great thing in Fidelity here is the mobility. I've, I've, I've worked with the business units. 
I've worked in enterprise technology where we serve our, our associates and now in the cloud group where I'm, you know, just immersed in, emer- in emerging technology, cloud. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a fantastic experience and, and what I draw a lot on what I've gone in the past. So it's, um, it, it keeps it interesting and exciting. That's really fascinating that you've managed to travel across not just global cultures, but corporate cultures as well. What sort of differences have you found in sort of the working mindset between the UK and America as opposed to to Irish workers? Um, It's, I think it is slightly different um, between, you know, if you take maybe the US side and if you take EMEA, I think Ireland and the UK are kind of very similar-ish. Um, I think the culture in Ireland is probably is different, you know, working in the Irish culture is, is, is different because, you know, we're much more of a community. We're much more of a collaboration, friendliness. Um, there's that kind of, you know, fun aspect that we can bring into the, into the organization, how we much more work together. Um, and again, I think it's just our, our Irish heritage or Irish upbringing, um, that, that kind of creates that bond between people. I think in the U S it's definitely very business focused. Um, but I am seeing, you're seeing a lot different today, you know, they're, they look to our culture. We look to their culture to see, how we blend the two together, to, you know, to even make a stronger culture that draws across the both sides, um, and you know, so it it is, and that's and that's the best part of this with market, working in a you know a, a you know a global company because you get to learn from others, you get to learn from experiences of others, you get to learn what works there, and you 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 kind of blend them together. Um, but I think you know, I think with the US putting the business lens and that putting the kind of the kind of pressures of the marketplace I mean, I mean building and selling into into a customer and focusing on the real customer i think complement that complement with the irish culture and how we work together how we collaborate and communicate with each other i think we're putting them together they're very you know aligned um but when you put them together and focus on them um, i think it drives very successful business outcomes So when you're looking at sort of extracting that best of both between sort of the the more social Irish culture and the more sort of that that business individualistic, I suppose, focus that they that they have in America, how does that sort of what sort of problems does that present from a team building perspective? Is there always that sort of bedding in period where you look at who you're working with and think, okay, right, we're going to have this style of conversation. Um, Or, you know, do you treat people as an individual or do you go, okay, this is the wider culture that you guys are going to have to buy into? Um, It's a great question. Um, And it's it's more the latter of the wider culture. Um, and, And culture is really created. And, you know, when you look at building strong teams, and again, if you look at Ireland itself, it's a very diverse culture now. Um, we have a lot, we have a huge amount of national nationalities now working in the Irish workforce. So I think there's even a blend globally now because, you know, it's, you know, it's much broader. There's, you know, people from all walks of life are working in all different countries. Um, but team culture is really based on the individuals when you, is the sum of the parts. So high, high successful teams, you know, top performing teams are able to bring all of the strengths of the individuals together to create that team culture. Um, and, and, and that's where we're very much focused is it's not trying to pick a culture and trying to fit everybody and telling them to fit into that. We, we, work, we, we work with 
the team themselves and the team themselves help create that culture with each other. And I think when you've got high trust, high respect, um, you've got that friendly, you know, collaborative um, team structure and you, you allow everybody participate in the creation of that culture and have them participate be the people who do create it, I think you you have no issues at all. And and, and that's and that's where you get the strongest very high performing teams. I think that's that's a fascinating point uh, you raise there about having that sort of emotional investment in how a team operates, uh, which I suppose means that you have to be uh, sort of aware of the kind of discussions that are happening in wider society at the moment. And you've alluded to the role of diversity there. So to what extent does diversity play a role in assembling uh, a high-performing team? It, it plays a critical part, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, and there's a lot going on in society and a lot going in and what on in our industry of how we can actually broaden you know, the talent pool, right, to have more diversity available um, in the talent pipeline to bring in. Because diversity, when if you have a team of one personality type or one characteristic or trait, you know, the, the solutions you build, you know, the relationships you create, you know, your engagement to a customer is, is, is kind of formed and it will be very narrow and you know, and then maybe even, you know, your, your opportunities you can avail of for whatever product or service you're creating and building is going to be much narrower and limited in scope versus if you have a broad team with many diversities, so diversity across a, a wide range of um, characteristics. So cognitive diversity, personality types, um, how people, diversity in people, how they learn, right? Because I think there's a lot of you know, people who learn differently and, you know, they can share their experiences and methods of learning with others. And I think we, we all then kind of benefit. It's like scaling everything up. So the more diversity you have, the more ideas, ideas and, and things in the pot. And therefore you, it's better solutions, better learning programs, better team cultures, better ways of working together and ultimately better solutions. So I think the more diverse we can have in a team, the more diversity, and then having that trust again, that those relations, strong relationships in the team where they work together, then I think you, you, you just, you're just on a winner and it, it, it's very easy then work um, within a team structure like that. Having put together the sort of the building blocks of a, of a team there where you've selected your team members and you know roughly who's going to complement who and get the best uh, out of who. Of course, we're still looking at those two working models as well of waterfall and agile. So given the pandemic over the past year, how has that affected the way teams are working together? Are we seeing teams that would have worked in a waterfall style move towards agile or are we seeing sort of a I don't know a kind of a hybrid best approach best of both approach or is agile still kind of on top oh agile is very much on top I think we are seeing teams having to really adopt the true principles you know of agile and even increasing you know the velocity of how they work and how they experiment and how they innovate. Um, as we've seen from the pandemic, you know, there's been a lot of disruption. There's been new business opportunities that have been created in the in industries. React, you know, 
things have happened at a much faster rate than maybe they've had previously prior to pandemic. And an example might be, you know, if you think of the GameStop, Reddit kind of revolution in um, January, that kind of out of nothing and in, in a very short space of time, like in hours, there was a massive movement of within the investment space. Um, so how organizations can pivot and react quickly to that is critical for success. Um, so, you know, whereas before with Agile, you could maybe quarterly plan, you could plan maybe for six months, you could, you know, you you knew the kind of behaviors of the market that you were, and you did market analysis. But now with everything becoming very digital, you know, through the, the current pandemic, you the ability to plan and forecast ahead can be can be disrupted at, at any moment in time. So agile is critical and key for teams to be able to or an organizations to be able to pivot quickly to work work with the pivots or work with the sentiment or the behaviors that are out in the marketplace and, and be able to pivot fast um, and you know and you know work with their products, work with their customers and make sure we're make sure we're constantly serving our customers to the what, what they need and what they expect. We're kind of into the back to work phase at the moment with um, pandemic uh, response really sort of ramped up and we're, we're getting into sort of the, the real meat and potatoes of the uh, vaccination programs around the world. How have, uh, what sort of forecast do you have for this return to work period? Because I imagine we have teams that were used to, you know, distributed uh, working for the guts of a year. Now you'll start to see people coming into the office and they might half be in the office and half still working remotely. So what sort of challenges do you think this is going to bring up? Yeah, I think that's the, the question and on everybody's mind right now as we, you know, and it's great to see we're looking at coming out of the pandemic and kind of coming to whatever the new normal will be. And I think I think the opportunities for organizations and and, and how we look at it is, you know, how do we take the best of what we had previously when we had, you know, very much the office culture and Fidelity's always had flexibility. Um, so we're, you know, in some ways fortunate that we're able, we, that flexibility did exist previously, but obviously there's been a lot of new learnings and, you know, benefits from, you know, how we've all worked from remotely. So I think it's trying to understand the challenges with remote, taking what worked well in when we were in the office and blending them together to create, you know, whatever, create that new model, which will, you know, will be hybrid. Um, and then I think, you know, working through that in an agile manner to learn. But, you, you, you know, one of the things we look at is how do we work together? So, do you know, when we gather in the office space, you know, how do we gather for maybe not heads down individual work, but more gathering and the collaboration aspect and the working together as a team or as a group um, so we can get the benefits of doing things much quicker with a group collaboration, get everyone and then kind of get back then to, you know, when you're work, maybe working from home and you can sprint then for a while and have that, get that cadence right of when you gather together and when do you work from home so we can maintain work-life balance we can keep high efficiency and high 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 optimization and you know high levels of delivery you know ensure we get the right quality but also make sure you know we have that connected you know we're all still connected together we're collaborating together so when we are working from home we understand what we're working on we understand how we're working together because we've been together you know in the office space to kind of define what that looks like so i think i think it's going to be very exciting 
And, and again, I also hope, you know, we go back to the diversity lens. I also hope that this new working model, future, future of work, Will, will help with being able to provide the ability for us to increase diversity and, and you know, broaden again that talent pipeline. So I think these are all, we're, all of these things work together, um, you know, to provide, you know, a really exciting and, you know, and a great place to work. Uh, lastly, just on that idea of the great place to work, seeing as we are seeing people come back to the office in a, in a staggered kind of way, if they're coming back at all, we're also seeing a redefining of what the actual office space is. So we're seeing companies looking at the office, not necessarily as somewhere you go to work from nine to five, but maybe you come in, you make use of a, a meeting space, and then you go home again. To what extent do you see this becoming kind of the, the norm in the workplace? Oh, I think it, as you described, there will become very much the norm. I think if you, if you, you know, from what talking to industry partners, you know, you obviously you can we can see announcements from different organisations coming out about you know the, the office will will, will be different, um, not necessarily for heads down work, but there might be certain cases where that is actually required. But ultimately, I think it's how do we. How do we work together as a as a group, as a team in the team construct or a, in a community construct? If, if that's why we're gathering, um, I, I think that's where the office will kind of be vital um, for. And and again, also you know keep us all connected to each other, right? I think we're at the end of the day we're still all human. It's very hard to have a culture if you've never met a person. It's much slower to build that culture when you've never met that person face to face so I, th I think having the ability to meet face to face I think having the environment and to work together in team spaces versus desk individual desks I think is um, is, is where the opportunity is and that was Niall Kitson chatting with Jer McMahon the Vice President of Architecture with Fidelity Investments and you can find out more about them at fidelityinvestments.ie do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with our updates, daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie and of course listen to us each week online or Fridays with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time from myself Dusty Rhodes and from Niall Kitson have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com Tech Central.